Hey, you're listening to Blindsight. Let's go. Mental health isn't something to take lightly. It's time to fight. It's time to thrive. Let's do this. Welcome to Blindside. Glad to have you here. And today, this is Bill Lundgren, your host. And today we will be talking more about depression, holiday blues, and hopefully have some answers for people on how to deal with it. As before, we have our producer, uh, Jonathan Price, who's going to assist me in this. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Bill. How you doing today? Okay. Uh, what I want to start off with is uh, fundraising, of course. I want to remind everybody that uh, Colorado Gives will uh, be on the 5th of December, but they'll, you'll be able to make a contribution to coloradogives.org and uh, list the AI in Colorado as your recipient, and that contribution you make will be matched, which means it'll get more bang out for the bucks if you give to us from now until the 5th of December. And so, uh, again, it's coloradogives.org, and hope you'll do that. We also have made some changes. Uh, of course, January 1st will become after site instead of the AIN of Colorado. And we also currently have a, uh, uh, a couple ways that you can reach us. If you want to send an email to feedback uh, at uh, anicolorado.org, you can do that. And Jonathan and I haven't memorized the phone number for feedback. Would you give it to uh, our audience? Yeah, absolutely. So the new feedback phone number is 720-712-8856. And you can call that number and it'll go to a voicemail and you can ask your question. You can ask a question of any of our hosts, whether it be Bill, myself, Penn Street for Aftersight, Evan Starnes for Blind Level Tech, along with myself, and then uh, Kim with Navigating Life uh, with Vision Loss. So that's our phone number. Again, the number is 720 720- Seven one two eight eight five six. Great. Okay. Well, it's a, one thing I have coming up is a get to get holiday get together with a neighbor in Lake with a friend in uh, Lakewood, and uh, he t- called me the other day to let me know that someone that uh, we both know. Uh, is going to be at, at the uh, gathering. His sister-in-law, Penn Street. Oh, I wow, that's it, awesome. Yeah, we'll be, it'll be a lot of fun with uh, uh, her husband there and, uh, and a group of friends. I'm really going to enjoy it. Are you going to do anything for the weekend? Uh, just have um, uh, Thanksgiving with the family and watching football. And my dad's going to uh, smoke a turkey. Or Ooh. I guess when this episode comes out, the turkey is going to be smoked and eaten, and I will be rolling around after all that. So um, <laughs> be, it's it's wonderful, and uh, we watch the parade in the morning, and then uh, a lot of games. We play a lot of board games, a lot of card games. We watch movies, and uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be other kids there besides you, yours, or no, just mine. Okay. 
Well, they'll have fun with their, with their grandparents and everything. Great. Okay. And that's part of uh, what we have to do for the holidays, you know, to get together with people. The thing when we talk about holiday blues, sometimes it's just uh, a little while. Sometimes it feels like it's forever. Yeah. And it's important, one, you recognize what's going on. Uh, certainly, you know, the, the symptoms are there. You feel hopeless about the future. You feel blue. You don't you sleep a lot or you, or you just, uh, the total blahs. Mm-hmm. And uh, by identifying what you're feeling, you can then begin to do some of the work to help yourself feel better. If you're not invited to, you know, a party or anything or a get-together with friends, one of the big things that I certainly have learned over the years is that, you know, if we wait for other people to help us, it ain't going to happen. Right. What we have to do, and this is where the, de- you know, the depressive symptoms get in the way. We don't feel like doing anything. And so we get, you know, just let it be. But that's a feeling. That's not a reality. And what we can do, even though we don't feel like it, to contact somebody and say, hey, how about coming over for a cup of coffee or let's go someplace for uh, a bite to eat or something where you get out of your situation and have somebody be with someone so that some of the lonely feelings that you have with a depression can be exercised for Mm -hmm. at least for the moment. And the more that you have a sense of being able to make changes like that, rather than giving in to this feeling, uh, the better you're going to feel. What happens is in depression, we're caught up in what some people call stinking thinking, where we just feel like there's nothing can be done. And as I, as I just said, it, that's a feeling, but that's not necessarily the truth. Right. Uh, and part of what we have to do then to get out of the situation is take action. It could be going out for a hike. It could be going to the gym. Yep. It can be something where we're, instead of sitting around, we're moving around and... Yep. As I say, uh, if, if you have the opportunity to uh, talk to someone, to get together with someone, do it. I had a, uh, just this past weekend, there are some new neighbors in my building, and one of them was very helpful in solving a uh, mechanical problem in my condo. And I don't know the couple, but I get tickets to the theater Mm-hmm. And I get one for myself, and then I get uh, one or two extra. I, I subscribe, so I get a, a, a good price, one or two extra. And I ask the couple if they'd like to see a show, mm-hmm. which they did on, on uh, Sunday. We went to a show together. We had a, a, a light meal beforehand. It, uh-huh. We went to the show, and as I say, that gave me an opportunity to talk to them. 
and get to know know them and also for them to get to know me. And, you know, they wanted to, they went out after the show. I couldn't because I've got to take care of Feed the Dog and he gets... Uh, right. You know, yeah, he gets very unhappy when he doesn't get fed on time. <laughs> like most of us do. <laughs> <laughs> but but the thing was, we made, uh, we discussed, you know, some things that we would like to do together. Some things that they know about, some places that they know. Uh, so we're, we haven't made the arrangements yet, but it's a start of what I think would be a really good friendship. They're really nice people. And that's, that's what it takes. But, you know, years ago, I wouldn't have been able to do that because, you know, I just have this thing, oh, they're going to reject me, yada, yada, yada. And one of the things to help me get over that is I've got the tickets. I don't want to waste them, so I got <laughs> got to ask. Yeah. And it gets me moving and, with luck, some, some good friendships. What are some of the things that you might do? Jonathan? Well, uh, so one of my favorite things to do is play the piano. Uh, ah. it's, it's not a lot of physical movement, but it does activate my brain in a very Absolutely. real way. And Absolutely. there's an interesting statistic for, uh, for people who can play musical instruments, mainly the piano. But I learned that a concert pianist, when they are sitting at the piano and in a performance setting and they're playing with an orchestra – their brain activity goes up to 90%, which we only use about 10% of our brains anyway. Right. But they found that when musicians are engaged in that musical activity, they can unlock or unleash about 90% of their capacity, um, which is stunning to me. So just right there, if you, want, if you can play an instrument or you want to learn how to play the guitar or piano or something like that, do it. I mean, YouTube University, I mean, check it out and just YouTube and learn how to play guitar or piano um, is wonderful for me. And uh, it's, it's a point, like, I don't know how many times my mom would come in to find me as a kid or as a teenager sitting at the piano and the way we had our piano arranged, I could lean my back against the wall And she would come in just to see myself leaning against the wall, playing with my eyes closed. And just, it was so therapeutic. And many times I wouldn't even know what I was playing or very, I was in almost like a trance state where I could play whatever came into my mind and I would forget immediately what I played. And my mom goes, that's the most beautiful thing you've ever played. How did you do like, exactly. you know, it, it getting your mindset into a healthy space. I know a lot of people will do yoga or Pilates or a workout to get themselves into that kind of mindset. But I'm not saying to like veg out and go completely zone out. But yeah. um, being able to do something that engages your mind on a very intense level uh, can really help. Which brings me then to the next thing I wanted to talk about, and that is the process of understanding what is generating that feeling of depression in you. Uh, you know, what you're saying, you're going out of yourself with the pian- piano playing. You're getting yeah. away from whatever is holding you back and freeing yourself from that kind of feeling. One, one of the things that Freud talked about 
was that depression is anger turned inward. And I think that's one of the things that can happen. Sure. So when you're playing the piano, you're letting all, you, you might even be playing something that has some anger to it that you're getting out through your fingers and getting it yes. out of your system yes. instead of having it fester inside of you. The other piece of it is uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes just the weather can really get us down. There's some people who are affected mm-hmm. uh, by weather. In fact, there is a uh, condition called SAD or seasonal yep. affective disorder where uh, in the season between uh, fall and winter and uh, in the summer uh, when seasons are changing, then our body uh, is trying to adjust to the light limitation, particularly in the fall, that we're getting less and less daylight and your body reacts to that. Yeah. And that's why one of the ways it is treated is by a light that you set up for uh, in your in your home or your office or wherever you are for an, uh, a period of time, and you turn that light on, and it's really replacing some of the sunlight that you're missing, and that has a, a great effect on one's body. And you can talk to a physician about about mm-hmm. that and what kind of light to get. But that's a way where you're moving instead of uh, being stuck, you're moving forward. If that's indeed uh, if if sad is doing it, but it's other things that you can, if you can take some time instead of uh, focusing on the depression, say, ask yourself the question, why am I feeling this way? What's going mm-hmm. on in my life that I'm feeling sad or out of control or uh, something is really affecting me. Mm-hmm. And if you give yourself a chance to be quiet and just to say, well, look, oh, you know, you find that, oh, today something happened or it's an anniversary. That's a biggie. There are certain days where uh, you've lost someone. Right. And without realizing it, when you hit the calendar, hit that date, you feel this you know, this heaviness. Yeah. And it takes you a little while to figure out, oh, that's when my mom died. Or that, uh, you know, I remember that was a a case where I was here in Denver and it was about a year after the anniversary of death, Mm -hmm. totally oblivious to the date until I was, was, but I was really, really moody. And I said, what the hell is this all about? Yeah. And, uh, for some reason, the conversation came up and what day it was, and then all of a sudden it hit me. Yeah. And then I could deal with it because, oh, okay, I'm I'm sad because, you know, this is the anniversary of my mom's death, and, yeah. and it's understandable. But you see, part of what we get caught up in is this kind of learned helplessness. That is, we have this feeling, it feels awful, and we said I, we don't know how to get out of it. And well, you so also we, have people. You also have people who are tapping into that learned helplessness, and they're validating it, which makes it even worse. You got it. You got it. And and the people and, that you surround yourself with, the it takes a lot of. Uh, I'm just gonna. It takes a lot of humility to be able to say, "Look, I'm not okay." Right. But it also takes even more courage and humility to say, 
I need to surround myself with people who are in, in a positive mindset who can help coach me out of this mindset That's instead right. of right. Absolutely. Uh, because there's going to be times that we need to have our feelings validated or what we're going through validated is a better approach to that. So mm -hmm. instead of saying, well, I feel sad. Well, yeah, you should be sad. You know, you don't want that necessarily, but you want to say, I feel sad to somebody say, look, I get you that you're sad. You just lost somebody. You're going through a divorce. You're going right. through the loss right. of a child. You're going through those things. That's a sad thing. But let's try this. Let's go for a walk. Let's go to a movie. Let's do exactly. something together. But you have to have somebody, the people around who will listen to you and just accept where mm -hmm. you are. There are some people who get so frightened by depressed feelings that they can't, yeah. you know, they try, oh, well, just uh, buck up. Everything will be fine. And, you right, know. rub some dirt on it. Yeah. And, and there are some people who, oh, you poured, particularly... When, uh, if you're someone with a physical disability, you say, oh, you, what I call uh, OIPD, oh, you poor dear. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. And and that is, you know, that is just like uh, putting salt on the wound. It just, uh, you know, it's not getting you out of anything. It's, in fact kind of encouraging to stay there so that people can feel sorry for you. And that's not what you need. You need, you know, somebody who will listen to you, mm -hmm. not try to change it, but allow you to talk about it and say, okay, I hear you. They might even paraphrase what you're saying so you hear what you're saying from somebody else, how they're hearing you. And then it helps you to kind of work it through. But, but if if they don't try to help you, they can really interfere, mm -hmm. and they have you know it. They don't have to do a thing. They just need to listen to you, right? Then let you work it out. Mm -hmm. And of course, I I don't want to overlook the uh, fact that if we get some exercise, working out, uh, if. If you can jog, to jog, take the dog out, you know, some way to get out. Mm -hmm. Again, that moves things forward too. Uh, I wanna, can I add one thing to the sure. the remedy? Um, you were talking about that special light that helps produce not really sunlight itself, but it kind of helps you kind of transition a, from yeah. the day mm -hmm. to night. One of the other things that has been really helpful that can be helpful is two things. If you have a fireplace, being able to watch a fire flame uh, because it changes all the time can actually reprogram your brain into a more healthy state. Mm -hmm. It actually, when you look at a flame and it's moving around constantly, it's hard to uh, understand the consistency of a flame. So your brain kind of rewires itself to think, okay, I have to constantly be watching this and you, you feel better generally. That's why you see a lot of people will just stare at fire pits or fireplaces or just fire in general. It's one of those, I, I hate to use, I tend to use the term hypnotic, but you can, it, yes. it's an allowance for you to, your body to process an emotion. But then there's also, um, I know we're kind of moving into the Christmas season, but there's you have these Christmas lights that you can program to do different 
um, thing. So like if they can fade on and off, they can turn, they can do different patterns. Um, abnormal patterns help get you out of that consistent mindset and those consistent thinkings. And so by having those arrhythmic or atypical light patterns, it can actually help pull you out of a depressive state just by mm-hmm. looking at these lights and just watching them and letting your mind, your mind and your body process whatever emotion that you have. So it may be a good sheep way to find out or just to process uh, what's going on if you've had a particularly rough day or a rough 15 minutes or a rough month. Maybe a good way to help process them some of that. Well, I think with that, what we're really talking about is the kind of medit. If we can get into a meditative state, the one yeah. thing when we're depressed, we have difficulty kind of turning our mind off. We're obsessing about what's going wrong or how uh, how we're worthless or whatever. And if we can, you know, do some meditation and just simply quiet all that negative messages, then, you see, our brain can be rewired. Mm-hmm. Uh, that We can begin to say, wait a minute, it's okay. I know how to handle this. Because this, this is the big piece, to be able to have some means of handling it. Yeah. And, there's, and there's an extension of all of, of this, is what we call cognitive thinking cognitive behavioral thinking, where if we start find that we're getting into negative, all or nothing thinking, that's when we're, you know, we're really asking for trouble because we're telling ourselves a lie. That's right. Yeah. Words like always and never are, are always. Nobody, nobody loves us. Nobody loves us. Right. It, that's all. The kind of lies that we give ourselves, and yeah. and part of the process of what you, people can do when they start getting into that, you've got to recognize it. Number one, mm-hmm. that you're getting into all or nothing. Yeah. But the other thing is to write down that thought that you have. Yeah. And then begin to process it by saying, "Okay, what's real here?" In other words, moving from irrational thinking to more rational thought. Yeah, some people don't like me, but guess what? Uh, nobody has everybody loving them. And there are some people who do, and you focus on the people who care about you, mm-hmm. who have your interests in mind. Yeah. And an extension of that is saying what you're grateful for. You know, mm-hmm. this is Thanksgiving season. We say, what do we have to be thankful for? And that begins to move our mind from this negative thinking to this more positive, more realistic thinking. Yeah. Because nothing is all or nothing. I'm glad you brought yeah. that up because I just had a few days ago with my son this very conversation. And mm-hmm. we're going through a really rough stretch at home. And he was under the impression or didn't feel like anybody loved him. And he said, Dad, nobody loves me. And he had had kind of a rough day at school. And I said, Landon, is that true? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's talk about this. And let's, so we were sitting on the stairs and I said, do I love you? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, then that's not everybody because I'm part of everybody. Like, well, yeah. And I was like, who else loves you? And so he started listing off all the people that love him. And I was like, so Landon, you think everybody in your life loves you? I guess so. 
you know, at least that changed the mindset of, well, nobody loves me to, wow, a lot of people in my life actually love me. I just had a bad moment where I felt unloved. Right. Right. And and we use that cognitive distortion and we, our feelings and our emotions take over what becomes reality. Like you said at the beginning, and oftentimes it's those feelings or the feeling of reality that trumps, you know, I love the phrase, I love the phrase, I reject your reality and substitute my own. That's a great way for saying, <laughs> yeah. you know, my feelings are going to rule the roost and right. nothing you say is going to take away my feelings and my feelings are legitimate and valid. And while yes, they are legitimate and valid, you know, feelings are, I'm, I'm sorry for the, the analogy, but uh, feelings are a lot like farts. Everybody has them. They are tough. If you hold them in, they can damage you. If you hold them in, they can clear out a room. And if you don't handle them appropriately, you're going to get hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, that's right. You know, it, it feelings are these are, are they're wonderful things that they are barometers and gauges for us to experience life. They've been given to us for a reason, but to then run your life with what you feel is not okay. And while it is, it's fine to have a bad day, to have a bad mood, to to be in a bad space. It's not okay to stay like that. Right. And you have to be able to say, at least for the very first time, recognize what you're going through or recognize that you are having a thought. Okay. The, the, I, I understand that something happened to me. Something bad happened to me. I recognize that. That's fine. That's great. Now we move forward from that. Are you going to sit in it or are you going to move on with it? Well, see, see what we have operating in, in this kind of situation is we have the feeling and our feelings are valid. Even our feeling that nobody loved it is a, it's yeah. a valid feeling. Very. Yes. However, we have to bring our uh, in, intellectual side into it. Right. To examine that feeling and work with that feeling and say, is this valid or is this all or nothing thinking? And if it's all or nothing thinking, then what Jonathan was saying, okay, what is reality? And you see how feeling and reality may be two different things. And our job as human beings is to bring the two together, have the two of them working together. I'm sure... We, Everyone uh, knows people who are, they're nothing but logic. They have, right. they're not in touch with their feelings at all. They're just all this, <laughs> yes. this logic thing. On the other hand, we know friends who are all feelings. They don't have any uh, intellectual insight. They're just all over the place. And that's, you know, there is the extreme. What we want to do is be people who, Yes, I recognize your feeling mm. and understand the feelings are valid, but not necessarily realistic. Right. And then to bring the reality and the use your mind to say, okay, what is real? And that's one of the advantages of parents because kids don't, they tend to be much more into the feeling, automatic kind of thing. Yeah. You know, their brain hasn't developed to the point where they say, okay, what's real and what isn't? Right. And so sometimes a parent, with, as the older, as the adult, 
need to help kids with that. Mm-hmm. And and but we find we have to do this with adults too uh, all the time. That 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 child part of us is that no nobody loved me. And then we have to bring our adult. In fact, uh, Eric Byrne talks about uh, parent, child, and and adult. We have to bring the adult in to help the child understand what's real. I'm glad you brought up the child-adult relationship because there's a specific therapy, EMDR, which allows you to – a portion of it allows you as the adult who is going through therapy to then go back and sit with that eight-year-old version of yourself and coach that eight-year-old version of yourself through a traumatic experience. And I've seen it work in not only uh, a personal friend of mine, but I've seen it work in people all over the world. I mean, it was designed originally for soldiers of PTSD uh, in war times, and now it's being adopted as a very, very therapeutic method. And if if you have the ability to even go – I encourage everybody to go experience it at least once because I'm sorry. If you are alive, there's no such thing as no childhood trauma. (laughs) If if you are an adult (laughs) – you went through something as a child that affected you as an adult. That's just how life works. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I would encourage everybody to go find a therapist who is specialized in EMDR therapy and training and ask them either questions or see if you can have a session that right. focuses on that. It's, it's going to be worth it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Particularly in the, in the area of trauma, but in a lot of other different things. I use the concept of adult parent and child, I will ask people, well, where are you right now? And oh, they yeah. will tell me, uh, well, yeah, I'm being parental, aren't I? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> or they're saying, I, I, you know, how old are you right now? And they can say, oh, you know, I'm five years old and I'm really PO'd. What happened? Okay. Well, where do you want to be? And they realize either the adult or uh, they need the nurturing. Yeah. The parent is the nurturing. The adult is the intellect, the logic part, yep. and the child is just all emotions all over the place, you know, and that's the way they are. Yeah. Uh, but as adults, we have to be able to flow because there are times you want to be a child. I mean, to, yeah. to play in the sandbox, particularly if you have kids, you want to play with them and let your right. child out. And the, But you also still have to be the parent, and you still have to make sure that you don't carry it to extremes right? because it's unsafe. Mm -hmm. And we use all three of those those facets uh, within us appropriately. Yeah. And what surprises people is, especially if they hear uh, a negative, uh, something negative happening, they may go instantly to the child, and then they're wondering why they're, you know, they're some even whimper, you know. They say, oh, uh, I, I'm being an eight-year-old, and then some of those memories come back. And that's how you begin to understand that some of the old memories come back and haunt you without you realizing it, and which is okay as long as you've got that adult and that that nurturing parent to kind of help you out. One of the problems is so many of us carry with us a critical parent yeah. rather than a nurturing That's parent. Right. 
And that's where, that's where, and that critical parent is going to get you every time. And often that's where the depression comes in when you have so much uh, critical parent and that kid is feeling, that kid part of you is feeling beaten down constantly. Right. Of course you're going to feel depressed. Well, not only that, but you start to look at everybody in your life who's trying to criticize you. And then it's just this never-ending cycle and snowball of criticism. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And sometimes we even we even uh, seek out. This is hard to believe, but we seek out because it's just so familiar to yep. us. We seek out the critical parent. And I work with couples. Boy, I find that you know they've married somebody who's who's exactly like that critical parent, right. rather than the nurturing parent. And you have to teach both of them how to be nurturing, how to care. Yep. And out of that comes, you know, the the kind of peace and yeah. EMDR being uh, one of the ways we do that. To by the way, EMDR is high eye movement. Yeah, de, yeah, eye movement. Deprocessing. rapid desensitization. Desensitization. There, there we go. Yeah, but it is a, a technique, and that is very very helpful, and is getting. And more and more people have been using it just in a lot of different situations. But that's when you, if you decide to go for a professional, you know, talk to the professional, depending on what the situation is that's causing or helping you to to generate that depressive uh, side of you uh, a little more than, uh, you know, than you want. Because, you know, we have to feel sad. That's just... One of the things that we tend to do is invalidate some of our feelings. And the way that I make it easy to explain to people is called mad, sad, scared, glad. Those four. And sometimes, particularly with men who are not very, very good at emotion, I uh, ask them to go and say, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling mad? Am I feeling sad? Am I feeling scared? Yeah. Oh, or am I feeling glad? And you begin to understand all of those feelings, including the anger, is acceptable. Yeah. It's what you do with those feelings that causes the problem. That's right. That's right. But you've got to you've got to, you know, like I was getting back to Freud and talking about anger being depression being anger turned inward. Well, if we allow ourselves to understand that we're angry about something, then we can do something about it. Not violent or anything, like that, but if, if nothing else, to let somebody know that what they did you know, made you angry. And that's real difficult to say because we're not, a, you know, we're told we can't say a negative thing. But it's perfectly valid to say if somebody did something, you know, that really made me angry. Then you're giving them some information, and the other person can then change his or her behavior. But you see, if they don't know you're PO'd, uh, they're not going to change the behavior. And so by saying, not acting on it, not hitting anybody, not doing any damage, but just saying, Look, I'm, you know, I'm angry that you did that, then they're learning, and you're getting it out of your system in a way that's safe for everybody. 
And that's how you begin, is by doing that kind of thing that gets you out of the depressive cycle instead of internalizing it and having it eat, eat, eat up. And sometimes it comes out, the anger comes out sideways, like sarcasm, or sometimes uh, what happens, you know, uh, uh, the the worker is angry at the boss, but knows that I can't, you know, they don't feel that they can tell the, the boss that they're angry. So they come home, and then they take it out on the people at home. Yeah. That's how it becomes a circle. But nothing gets resolved. Right. And, you know, when you have that, so the question then becomes, okay, what is a really valid way to do this? And so that all of what we've been talking about is really that you are much more in command of the situation than you think. Mm -hmm. And you, but what you have to do is precisely that thing and, and uh, check yourself, you know, saying, what am I feeling right now? And then you see, and what what may be causing that? And then, but then you say, is this something that I can do something about right now? Yeah. Or do I have to make note of it and know that that tends to produce this kind of reaction and then find some ways that I can deal with it in some other way? And sometimes, like anger, for example, it means you may have to go out and, and do some, some hard uh, physical work to get it out of your system. That's fine. You're not hurting anybody, and you're helping yourself by getting some physical exercise. But it is, you know, if we look at an overall theme of what we're saying, is to know thyself. To pay attention to yourself. You're valid. You have to appreciate your wonderful, complex human being, and that you have to you, more than anybody else, have to find out who you are, mm-hmm. what it is that affects you, what is it that makes you happy, mm-hmm. what is it that can change the situation, or how you can uh, get the, the feeling, process the feeling, and get, out, get it out of your system so that nobody, including you, gets hurt. Yeah. But it's a lot of work. And, you know, when you feel hopeless and helpless, it's real hard to do it, but it means you still have to do it. Well, this has been a very, I guess, enlightening show, and I hope that uh, people will take this into the holiday season and try to love on themselves a little bit <laughs> and enjoy the the, yeah, the lack yeah. of sunlight that we have right now. Anything final from you, Bill? Yeah, I, I like people in the holiday uh, spirit, you know, you think about giving other people a gift. Mm. What can you do to give yourself a gift? Yeah. Particularly the gift of peace of mind. And sometimes that gift may be that you seek professional help. Sometimes it at least identifying somebody that you can trust that you can talk to, who's going to listen and not tell you what to do, but kind of become a vehicle to help you figure out what you need to do. Because you've got the you've got the talent and the skill, 
if you pay attention to yourself. You're the only one that knows exactly. you. But you, you need to discover yourself and then be able to operate on that discovery that you make of yourself. And you can try to help other people, but you know you can't change them. But you can change yourself. That's right. You're the only one. They can't change you. You have to change yourself. And that can be your gift to yourself, is to the peace and also the serenity that comes from making whatever change. During the holiday season, please watch the alcohol. Yeah. For a whole lot of reasons, more than anything else, people don't realize that alcohol is a depressant. And a, for someone who's depressed to be drinking alcohol doesn't make much sense. I know that it release, releases inhibitions, and that's what makes it feel like a stimulant. But it is a depressant. And so, and if you talk about next morning after, after a drunk, it is pretty depressing. You don't need to do that. You don't need to do that to have a good time. You don't need to do that to... Uh, in any way make yourself feel better. So as I said uh, earlier, don't forget, you'll make yourself feel great if you make a contribution to AIN of Colorado at uh, uh, sending it to uh, uh, Colorado, Colorado Gives Day with uh, designating this, or, this organization, which is made up primarily of volunteers, but we have a lot of expenses to be great. And also, if you liked what you heard today, if you want to give some feedback, there are two ways to give your feedback, and I'll turn it over to Jonathan to, to uh, repeat those for you, and then we will sign off for another session of Blindsight. Jonathan? Yeah, so the feedback email is feedback at aincolorado.org. And then our uh, call-in line, if you have any questions or comments or uh, just have a question for any of our hosts, 720-712-8856. Again, 720-712-8856. Great. I wish you all the best and look forward to connecting with you next week. <laughs>